the main things is don't comment on their body in any way. Like if they're underweight still, don't don't tell them that they're like sickly looking or they look like they're they're on the verge of dying because in the eating disordered mindset, that's that's a compliment. Like people don't realize that that's a compliment. Even if you tell someone they look disgusting, like that's a compliment to someone who's dealing with anorexia. Hi, this is Shlomo Salson. I am the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast, where we share stories, tips, specific strategies on how you as a teenage kid can overcome any struggle in your life. I've done over 60 interviews with people who have gone through all types of struggles, and we provide you with life-changing tips on how you can overcome yours. I have some exciting news. I am about to release my book, Never Fight Alone, and it's releasing September 15th. If you would like to be notified when the book comes out, it's going to be a hardcover book and an ebook. Click the link in the description and put your email in, and I will also notify you on when Never Fight Alone, which is a compilation of 51 inspirational interviews and tips for teens going through some type of mental health struggle. Click the link in the description, put your email in, and I will notify you. Today, I have a very special podcast guest. Her name is Maddie. And Maddie, I discovered on TikTok as she put a post up and I figured that I would interview her. How are you doing, Maddie? I'm okay. How are you? I'm great. I had a, a presentation today and it's been a pretty good day. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Maddie, you're, you're so young, but you went through so many things in your life. Uh, your dad passed away at the age of four. You went through what? bullying, childhood abuse. Your mom had cancer at the age uh, 2011, and she's mm-hmm. still battling it. Uh, you went through two sexual assaults. You uh, going, went through anorexia plus other mental illnesses. And then mm-hmm. you're also gay in a, you're raised gay in a homophobic environment. Uh, yes. You went through so many things, but how do you manage to stay so positive at a young age? For me, I always feel like having a really good support system is what got me through it. Like having friends that are not unhealthy to be around, friends that genuinely care and also seeking treatment was very helpful. I know treatment can be like really scary for some people and like some people want to avoid like getting help because they don't really think they need help or whatever the case may be. And for me, like actually seeking help and getting professional treatment saved my life and that's what's getting me through. So mm-hmm. so going to get help when you feel like you need it the most. Yes. And even if like, sometimes people don't like realize that they need help because they think that like what they're like, they just don't feel like they're valid enough to get help or whatever. And I feel like if you're struggling and you feel like you have no one to talk to, or you feel like, like you just have nothing to live for, like that's a sign to seek, like seek out help. Or even if you just like really like need someone. Mm Mm-hmm. Your anorexia started at a young age. At what age did it form? Um, I was, I mean, I've had disordered eating habits, like, when I was a kid as well, but um, my full-blown eating disorder hit when I was 14, Mm -hmm. but it never got really bad until, like, 
Okay, well, it was bad when I was, like, 14, 15, 16 in high school, but I had it under control, if that makes sense. Like, it wasn't, it never spiraled to the point where I was, like, in a life-threatening situation, but then Mm -hmm. when I went to college my freshman year, I was sexually assaulted by a male student on campus, and that was when I was doing, like, a lot better. Like, once I went to college, I was doing really well with eating, so that caused a relapse, and that was when I hit a really crucial like life-threatening point after that happened to me um my school was threatening to kick me out if I lost if I kept losing weight and like basically by the end of it the end of the semester they told me that I had to go into treatment or else um I wouldn't be allowed to come back so so I did go into treatment and I was in the hospital from like May of 2019 until I mean I'm still in like a partial hospitalization but like I was in, like, an inpatient environment from, like, May of 2019 to, like, October of 2019. Mm-hmm. So. And so you were 14 when it really started to yeah. get worse. What, was, what do you think was the root cause of it? I feel like with everything that happened to me as a young age, like, my mm-hmm. mom, my mom's cancer and my dad's death when I was four, like, those things it made me feel like I had like a loss of control, like a lack of control in my life. So that's why I turned to my eating disorder to like, basically like feel like I had some control in my life, something I could control, something that gave me like a false high, like, but what really triggered it, like, I feel like trauma is definitely the root cause of it. But what triggered it was joining the cheerleading team in ninth grade. And um, I was a flyer on the cheerleading team. And, like, a flyer is when you, like, get lifted into the air and stuff. And I, like, really liked flying on the team. And, however, I was, like, very muscular because I had been a swimmer and a diver as well. So I had muscle. So, like, just by looking at me, you couldn't tell that I was, like, that I weighed as much as I did. Like, you would think that I was just thin and tiny and not, like, heavy. But because I had muscle, I weighed more than they expected. So they stopped me flying because they just couldn't lift me as easily as they could the other girls, even though I looked just as thin as them. And that's what really triggered me to, like, start engaging in, like, behaviors, like, restricting and, um, like, losing weight and stuff. But I feel like the root cause of it all, like, what built up to it was trauma from my dad's death and my mom's cancer. And then Mm -hmm. later on in life, like, freshman year of college and till now, like, two sexual assaults that took place. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, that you're on a cheerleading team and then you had, you put your pressure of losing a lot of weight because I did interview someone a while back, a few months, a few months ago, Michaela Nichols, and she was actually muscular like you at one point, and then she started doing modeling, and they put a lot of pressure on her to do modeling, and then she had to lose 20 pounds, and she said she was already skinny as it is, and they, she put that pressure on herself to lose that weight. When you get to a certain point, when you're losing weight, when you're putting that pressure off of yourself, how did you eventually remove that pressure from yourself? I feel like, I feel like getting out of high school Mm -hmm. took a lot of pressure off of me. People were very mean in high school. Um, Did you get bullied on? Mostly my sexuality. I actually Mm -hmm. didn't come, I didn't out myself. Um, I I trusted this one kid. And he, that I thought, like, I could trust. And he ended up telling, like, the entire school. 
And I think that's another reason why they felt uncomfortable having me as a flyer because they knew that I liked girls and all of the girls Mm -hmm. suddenly thought that I like had a crush on them when that's not literally, that's just not how it works. Like, so basically like, that's like the main reason I got bullied was for being gay. Leaving high school, a bunch of immature people and going into college really helped me find out that there are people out there who are not like like that. Like I made, I found people who are very close to me and accept me for who I am. And so I feel like just finding your group of people and branching out okay. is what really helped me like grow. But then of course things happened that caused me to go backwards. But again, like treatment has been extremely helpful. So mm-hmm. Let's go back to uh, the initial question about overcoming the pressure you put on yourself. Was it after high school or did it eventually towards the end of high school happen? No, actually, as high school went on, my eating disorder got worse and worse. Okay. Like, I feel like each year I was a lower, a lower weight. No, definitely never got better in high school. Like, I was underweight throughout most of high school, but I wasn't, like, underweight to a point where you would look at me and be like, oh, my God, she's dying. But, like, Mm -hmm. my relapse in college, definitely, I was on my deathbed. But, like, in in high school, I managed to keep an unhealthy weight but not be to the point of dying, if that makes sense. But it wasn't good anyway because I was barely eating. I was lying about what I was eating. I was just hiding at lunchtime in the bathroom or, or, like, in the hallway and so it wasn't it wasn't a good time (laughs) Mm -hmm. what was that turning point then was it the inpatient facility well then it was leaving high school but Mm -hmm. after my relapse the inpatient facility definitely Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like it helped me with gaining the weight back and stopping the behaviors like Mm -hmm. purging and like under eating and stuff like that. It was very helpful for that. But partial, like the partial program, which is like a day program, it's like every day, Monday through Friday, not inpatient. That really helped me change my mindset. Like get basically like help me like realize that there's so much more to life than like losing weight or not letting yourself eat what you want to eat. Like there's no point in not listening to your body and dieting. Like dieting is so stupid. It basically helped me like learn all of those things and get to a point where I'm stable so mm-hmm. there's mixed reviews about inpatient facilities you know there's people that said um they really they're super against inpatient facilities but then you know people are pushing them to go to inpatient facilities what's your thoughts yeah i definitely so i've actually been inpatient five times in my life because when i was like younger before my eating disorder mm-hmm. i had to be inpatient for like suicidal thoughts um but so, like, I've, I've ha- been at a number of different places, and my thoughts are, like, I think it can go, I think it can be really helpful for some people, and I think it can be really unhelpful for other people. Like, mm-hmm. for me, an inpatient environment for, like, suicidal thoughts was very helpful. Like, it was the, when I was really young, it really helped me, like, stay safe and feel like, basically, like, get past those thoughts. Mm-hmm. But for my eating disorder... I do think it was both because it was helpful, like I said, in terms of the weight gain and like doing what I need to do to get physically better. But mentally, it wasn't good because I was constantly comparing myself to other people. 
Um, there were so many other sick people there, like underweight, dying. Like it was very, it's like eating disorders are very competitive. So like when you're around other people, it's like very hard to get better. Mm-hmm. And, and so I feel like it wasn't that helpful in terms of the mentality. That's why partial, like a, like a lower level of care, but still a very structured level of care was what really helped me the most, like a day program rather than inpatient. But I think inpatient is necessary for people who are unhealthy and need to like get to a healthy point physically. So you've, you've, I've seen some of your TikToks where you have stories. What's the most interesting story you've had? Well, yeah. So I guess like I have a lot of interesting stories, but like an impatient for eating disorders, there's a, Mm -hmm. there's a very big invasion of privacy because there's people who purge like after they eat. So they need to make sure people don't do that. And that involves like, you know, like stalking us in the bathroom, basically <laughs> like literally like watching us. And I felt like that was very uncomfortable for me, but it's necessary for a lot of people. And also like, it's funny cause even in impatient for eating disorders, I feel like a lot of staff members like weren't trained enough because something that you should never say to somebody who's like in recovery from an eating disorder is, Oh my God, like, you don't like you look healthy now like after you gain weight because in an eating disorder in mine when someone tells you that you look healthier now it equates to oh my god like I look fat now like that's how the disordered mind works but like a lot of times they just weren't trained and they would be like oh you guys look healthier now like you look so much better now and that just was very counterproductive for us so I feel like they could have done a lot of more a lot more training so mm-hmm. if someone is listening to this and know someone else with an eating disorder, what's the best way to talk to that one person? Because there's certain words you can and can't say. Yeah, so this is a question I actually get, like, a lot from people who, Mm -hmm. like, follow me that, like, don't have an eating disorder but know someone that has one. And I feel like there's, like, a bunch of – the main things is don't comment on their body in any way. Like, if they're underweight still, don't don't tell them that they're, like – sickly looking or they look like they're they're on the verge of dying because in the eating disordered mindset that's that's a compliment like people don't realize that that's a compliment even if you tell someone they look disgusting like that's a compliment to someone who's dealing with anorexia or another eating disorder because that's the that's the goal of the eating disorder to make yourself like to make yourself as like thin as possible or whatever the case may be it, it varies depending on the person but that is like validation that you're doing it that you're doing well and then and um, on the other hand, telling someone that they look healthy or that they look better, again, is not good because it makes someone feel, feel like their recovery is going wrong and that they're, they look fat now, even though healthy does not mean fat. And fat is not a bad thing anyway. There are plenty of people in this world who are fat and it's, they are completely healthy. Like, I feel like people shouldn't talk about their diets in front of people with eating disorders because dieting is very toxic and don't they don't typically work and I feel like people should like stray away from even mentioning diets or like Mm -hmm. working out exercising anything that could trigger someone who has that as an like addiction um because eating disorders are very addictive and a lot of us struggle with compulsive exercising um so when people talk about like their workouts or exercise it makes us feel like we have to exercise and sometimes that's not the best thing for us and just like basically anything that has to do with like dieting or bodies or weight or shape or anything like that 
I feel like isn't good. But if you want to compliment somebody on their recovery, you can say things like, your smile is so much bigger now, or you look brighter, or you seem so much happier, or something like that. Something that doesn't have to do with their physical appearance, like their body. It's very interesting. I've I actually interviewed a few people about the eating disorder, and they said the very same exact thing, that a lot of people, when they're gaining weight or when they're losing weight, they think that they're complimenting the other person, but psychologically, they're actually validating them or making them more insecure about their body weight. So a good, I would say, another one I heard is, you seem like you have a glow up. Um, you, you look happier right now. So anything that ha- uh, doesn't have anything to do with physical appearances. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I would suggest. Uh-huh. You mentioned that you had a very hard time fitting in like I did when I was in high school. I got bullied a lot as well because we're always trying to fit in with everyone else, whether it is our sexuality, mm-hmm. whether it's how we dress, whether it's how we act, whether it's the same interest. How do you eventually, like people who are insecure or trying to be like someone else, how do you eventually be comfortable with yourself? You see, that's a hard one. Like in high school, I feel like I never really like was okay with myself because I was constantly being scrutinized by the people around me, whether it was for my style or how shy I was wasn't out wasn't really outgoing in high school and I was very closed off and also like people didn't accept me for my sexuality so like it's like very hard to accept yourself in an environment where you're being like dehumanized almost eventually I got to a point where I was just like you know like this is how I this is how I was born like there's literally nothing I can do to change it like, again, surrounding myself with people who are positive to me, because there are very few people in my high school who I was actually friends with. Like, I did have friends in high school who did accept me, but a lot of the people, most of the people in my grade were very mean and immature and just horrible. So venturing off into, like, college where people are more mature and people are more accepting was very helpful. And I found people who love me for my sexuality you don't just assume that I have a crush on them because I'm a lesbian or worry about the way that I choose to dress or whatever the case may be like I feel like you need to find a you need to find people who to surround yourself with who love you in order to love like yourself now do you do you talk back to them or would you just let it go so you don't ruin your day like what would you do yeah, I was very submissive. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm a, like a big, per- I can't really tell people how I'm feeling because the last thing I want to do is hurt someone back after they've hurt me. Like, I don't want to stoop down to that level. Now I'm a lot better at being assertive with my feelings. And if someone hurts me, I'm, it's easier for me to tell them off for it or just like defend myself. But in high school, I was just, I was just letting it happen and constantly having panic attacks and crying and going home going to bed wishing I wouldn't wake up, like crying myself to sleep and just like letting all of this happen because I did not know what to do and I couldn't, Mm -hmm. I couldn't stand up for myself. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad you're doing better. Um, A lot of people eventually find their own way and it's, it's a lifelong journey on Mm -hmm. in life because we're always a constant state of progress 
And there are times where you will go back to your funk, but when you do end up in this funk, how do you manage to get out of it? That's, it's kind of hard. Like the way that I like manage to do it is kind of do things that make, when I'm like in a depressive episode or a time where I'm more like hateful towards myself, Mm -hmm. I find it very helpful to treat to like treat myself and not be so hard on myself like like stop pressuring myself to do things or to please people and more focus on things that I enjoy doing and basically care for myself that helps me a lot because sometimes I notice that I'm very self selfish to to mm-hmm. myself and way too selfless to others like I care way about way more about others than I do myself so by giving myself the attention that it needs sometimes is what gets me out of that sometimes. So mm-hmm. very, very similar personality. It's, uh, it's good to care for people. I'm not mm-hmm. saying people shouldn't care for people, but a lot of times people, I know I was used to be the biggest people pleaser out there. Mm-hmm. And when you try to please others before you try to please yourself, it's this, always this expectation that you should do something more and more and more for other people or try to please them by how you act. And then it's just going to be constantly, constantly displeasing yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a constant. Exactly. I end, I end every podcast episode with this one question because everyone that I interviewed has overcame some type of struggle and that ties in with resiliency how do you define resiliency? So resilience for me is like, it's being able to bounce back from a really hard mm-hmm. situation or a really hard time. I consider, I resilience, resilient is one of the words I use to describe myself when I'm asked to describe myself in a positive way because there have been so many times where I've wanted to give up and I feel like, like it's not weak to struggle and to want to give up and to, just like be like in that really hard to like spot, but letting yourself experience that and then even, and then growing from it and bouncing back from it is what resilience is to me. So like mm-hmm. actually like bouncing back from a horrible time mm-hmm. or situation. And do you have any last tips for someone who possibly is going through a death in the family or someone uh, who's feeling negative during quarantine someone who's struggling with an eating disorder or other mental illnesses, any last tips for anyone? So with death, the the death of my father has gotten a lot harder as time has gone on because Mm -hmm. I avoided talking about it when I was younger. So if you're dealing with the recent death, I know it's hard to talk about it, but if you actually open up to people and talk about it, it will really help with the grieving process. And I really think that just surrounding yourself with people and not isolating is the best thing to do in that case, because I wish I knew that when I was younger, because I just spent all my life isolating and just not opening up about it. Um, In terms of eating disorders, if you notice that you're having an unhealthy relationship with food in your body, if you haven't been diagnosed yet, like definitely once you notice something is wrong with your relationship with food, I would, I would seek help because there's never a time where it's too early. You don't have to be sick enough to get help because the sick enough is just the eating disorder voice telling you that you have to get sick in order to get help, which isn't true. Even if you're struggling so minimally in your head, like you deserve to get help and 
get past that. So don't ever, ever hesitate to get help. So, yeah. And Maddie, where can people find you? People can find me on TikTok at madison.eve, E-V-E, or Instagram, Maddie's, M-A-D-D-Y-S, dot battle. Great. Well, I really do appreciate you being on the Teenage Impact Podcast. You are the 100th episode. Thank you so much for having me. Exciting. And I'm really looking forward to your journey in the following years. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the Teenage Impact Podcast episode. I thought this podcast episode was a lightning. A lot of times people have the wrong perception because of social media, because of TV, that going to an inpatient facility is bad and that people will label you as crazy. But with the podcast interview with Maddie, she was in an inpatient facility. A lot of people I have interviewed have been in an inpatient facility and they said it helps. If you think you are at the point of that you don't know what else to do, you have told people they're trying to help you, then maybe an inpatient facility is not such a bad idea. Just say food for thought. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. If you haven't done so already, download my free ebook, 52 Tips I Wish I Knew. In high school, I will also update you about my new book coming out, Never Fight Alone, and make sure if you are interested in learning more, click the link in the description, type in your name and email you, and I will keep you up to date when the book comes out. If you haven't done so already, please rate me on podcasts because the more ratings and reviews I have, the more Apple will recommend me to other people that want to be inspired just like you. Don't forget, take 30 seconds of your time. I would truly appreciate it to rate and review me on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and until next time, peace.